0: Thank you for having me. It's really a delight to be here and to present some of this research. Uh, this was with my colleague, Guy Abel, at the Vienna Institute. And what we're trying to do is build sort of a, kind of a parallel empirical framework off some of the insights of the Themis Project. And I'll talk about what the particular insights we're drawing from are in just a second here. Um, and so I want to go over a couple of things today, in the talk 15 minutes is rather brief, but I thought what I would do is I would open up by talking extensively about the motivations for this project, or at least how they're rooted in the this Project. Uh, What I would do is open up and then talk about what the paper is and is not, right? I think that there are some significant limitations to the paper. Uh, They're not insurmountable, but they definitely need to be acknowledged. I'll continue by talking about the setup with respect to our data and analysis, uh, a few results, and then I'll conclude uh, with two slides talking about what we've shown and where we're going in the next iteration of this paper. So, for those who are familiar with sort of the empirical efforts uh, around migration systems, incorporating a lot of what's been discussed in the conference already, uh, you'll be familiar with the idea that we tend to conceptualize migration systems in terms of exchanges, right? What Bakewell recently called interacting elements, drawing on Abagunjay's language in the 1970s. Uh, Some of my own work is focused on one particular type of exchange. These would be county to county, excuse me, country to country migration flows. I also work with county to county migration flows in the U.S. context. Uh, but, of course, I think we can all agree, and this is one of the, maybe the commonalities between these conference, that there are a number of different types of flows that we're to be looking at, right? So, you can think about flows of capital uh, information, uh, a very interesting piece by Roth in 2009, looking at the flows of behavioral preferences and practices. Uh, so, I think that we can all agree that that's something needs to be brought into the literature as well. So, one of the takeaway points from Oliver Bakewell's recent working paper, which is now uh, in publication, is that we can't equate uh, migration systems with some sort of summary of flows. It's not an equation that we can really draw on in sort an of analytically meaningful way. And so the question is, what are the types of elements that I mean? Uh, where the Venus Project, the direction that it goes that I like, has to uh, concern with the dynamics of migration systems. So we distinguish the exchanges, right, the ties between places, and the dynamics as that underlying engine, right? Uh, we call it determinants, we call these some sort of regularity that governs how these ties play out. Um, And so these ties are responsible for uh, determining how the elements change. So I think conceptually what we're trying to start with is that distinction distinction between elements and dynamics, or exchanges of dynamics, right? So the dynamics are really concerned with the rules of the game, as as they call some language. Uh, So at a minimum, at least at this point, when we talk about a system or the system, we need to distinguish those exchanges from the dynamics. Uh, where our paper comes in is, what we ask is, how in the world do you do this empirically? And so it's one thing to say, we have these two concepts, we distinguish them, that's important, we can add to them, we can take away, what do we do in the empirical end? What, what do we work with? So at a minimum, this paper is looking at exchanges, and I'll define what I mean by that in just a second. We're looking at dynamics. Uh, and then at an empirical level, we also have to be clear on what sort of metric we're using to assess this sort of link between exchanges and dynamics. And so what I thought I'd do, rather than just throw a bunch of equations on the board right now, I thought I would motivate this in sort of a different way. So I'd like you to move away from migration systems and to think about an ecosystem. And I put one picture here that might sort of jog your memory a little bit. Uh, and now let's imagine that we're looking down this ecosystem, right? This is sort of a, a, a riverbed that we're watching. Now suppose that our goal is to make it to the south end of the river. Right? We're going to try and float down the river to get from one end to the other, and that can be... An individual, a piece of debris, or what have you, right? But the point is we're trying to get from one of two spots, either the West Bank or the East Bank, to the south end of the river. Now, I like this analogy uh, for no other reason than I'm from I'm an assistant professor at Minnesota, and our campus is right on the Mississippi River, divided into the West Bank and the East Bank. So I'm more partial to the West Bank, because that's where my office is located. So that's that yeah. judgment. So in any case, the exchanges that we're interested in are the connections between each of the places that we could start and each of the places that we could arrive. So if we coded up just those three bullet points up there, we would have a three-by-three matrix looking at the exchanges between sending and receiving areas. What about the dynamics? In this analogy, I'm thinking about the dynamics as analogous to the current of the stream, the river. So if I jump into the river, and my friend jumps into the river, and his friend jumps into the river, and we all do so at the same velocity, we weigh the same, we have the same buoyancy, we don't paddle in idiosyncratic directions, the current of the stream is enough to carry us downstream in some sort of regularity. And what we want to do is distinguish that regularity from our own sorts of efforts, right? thinking about points of origin matter. So imagine we jump in from the east bank of the river. Right? We're sort of absorbed into that current. And then by some of our own efforts, we swim over to the destination we're interested in. The person on the west bank can do the same thing. But for them, the process is going to look a little different. Perhaps they need to jump upstream a little more than their friend because they're on the other side of the bank and for just a bit they get absorbed into either one of those currents before the process starts to calibrate they come downstream and they reach the destination as well if we go back to the migration systems literature then in each case the destination in in that example is reached why? number one there's a certain trajectory the dynamics of the system drawing people downstream number two it depends on where you start the process and so those trajectories look a lot different the difference that you see is where you start the process right? so there's an underlying dynamic and then that point of origin as well the point of this paper then is to not really move that far away from previous literature then on migration systems we're still going to be talking about those origin destination linkages but what I'm going to show you is one way we can do that sort of net of the underlying dynamics of the system we want to acknowledge those dynamics are there, we want to take that, set it over there and talk. So what this paper is and is not, this paper is theoretically motivated in the, in the, in the extent we're drawing from the Venus Project and some of the recent developments coming out of it. I was very excited to see this project and the work trying to all of others. others, uh, and so we're trying to bring that into sort of a, a concrete, empirical framework. You'll see that with respect to the data and the model that I think the project is methodologically innovative. It's also methodologically limited. I'm happy to discuss those limitations because I think that's an important part as well. Uh, the project is empirical. I'm gonna be developing a set of quantities. These are interpretable in in, in very easy, demographic sort of ways. Uh, But I also think the project's highly exploratory. So when you're tempted to interpret those those quantities in sort of the way of standard migration metric, I'm going to encourage you to step back and think about the larger conceptual theoretical picture. And what I hope you'll agree with me uh, at the end of this is that the the entire project is useful in the sense that we're providing a different band of understanding migration systems. Uh, in terms of the, of the data, so when we talk about exchanges in this project, we're talking about country-to-country migration flows I'll talk about some of the limitations that are close to, that are close to the talk uh, We're using a set of estimates developed by my colleague recently of uh, global migration flows So these are flows uh, between 193 countries, it says 194 because we're also considering limits from each country to the state of mortality in uh, sort of proper demographic accounting and what my colleague did, he's, he took World, World Bank and UN stock tables, consecutive stock tables, and using a set of missing data procedures imputed the flows that must have occurred between each and every pair of countries according to a likelihood procedure. So in the end we have these matrices for several periods, starting with the 1960 to 65 period, all the way up to the 2000, to 2000, excuse me, 2005 to 2010 period. Uh, those are the baseline sort of estimates we're using as our, as our data for exchanges. In terms of dynamics, uh, just to kind of contrast the the exchanges in dynamics, when we think about flows, right, we can think about the heterogeneity that's sort of embedded in these flows that we often don't get in large descriptive pictures. And so what we're doing in this project, is we're conceptualizing dynamics in a particular way. And that is with respect to the age pattern of migration. So you're all familiar with the idea that the age pattern of migration varies over age. We see a, a hump at early age when people migrate with their parents. Formal education and movement into the labor force, and also a home of retirement smaller than the other two. Okay? And so what we can think about is that these age patterns are indicative of sort of life force moments uh, at each stage, at each age. Right? And we're building that into the very apparatus of this model. Uh, so we're focusing on age-specific migration flows. We're applying a set of model migration schedules, which I'll talk about at the end. Uh, we're still focusing on country-to-country migration. But now, and I think this is crucial for our understanding of what dynamics are, or consist of, we're focusing on transition probabilities. We're not focusing on the size of flows, we're focusing on the risk of country-to-country migration. And thinking about that in a dynamic framework. In the end, we're gonna analyze uh, at least uh, 6.5, a little bit over 6.7 million potential flows in in total. And what you can see is I plotted this for one age interval. And what I want you to imagine is that we take this graph turn it on its side, and we're thinking about multiple ageing We take a hypothetical birth cohort, and we move them through each of these ages. And we're thinking about how you get from one place to the other across each of these ages, and summing that up in the end. The final thing we need to be clear on is what sort of measure are we using to talk about this distinction between exchanges and dynamics? And I proposed one in a set of recent papers, we're using the same here, uh, term migrants expected time residence. This is nothing more than a fancy life expectancy. It's summarizing the average amount of time that a migrant can be expected to live in a given receiving country. We can talk about all the subscripts and superscripts later, but it's a a period estimate, trying to get a a sense of the lifetime time that migrants will live in a receiving country. It summarizes exchanges, that is, the intensity of the demographic event, which is migration. It summarizes dynamics, which is the age schedule of those flows. Okay, let me turn to some results for the sake of time. So what I'm showing you here is uh, a summary for each country in the EU 15 between the 1960 to 65 period and the 2005 to 2010 period. Along the y-axis is years, the expected years that migrants will reside in each country. So I'm gonna focus my discussion just on Austria in the upper left for no other reason than it's the first one in the upper left, um, kind of a byproduct of the alphabet. And what we're gonna see here is that over time, migrants have increasingly resided for longer in receding countries. We can say that, on average, uh, migrants will spend about 40 plus years in Austria over their life. Okay. We're not thinking about any one particular trip or migration. This is the accumulation of potentially repeatable migrations over a hypothetical this. Okay? What this graph is actually showing you, going back to sort of the theoretical motivations for this project, is a picture of the underlying dynamics. So, if you consider Austria, what we're saying here is this is the average amount of time. That a person who is not born in Austria, so foreign born, will live in Austria over the course of their life. It doesn't have to be continuous. It could be, but it doesn't have happen. Okay? So we're thinking about the fact that it doesn't matter where you start from, you just can't start in Austria in the model. And this is how long you will spend in Austria. We do the same for each of the other EU 15 countries. We can also break this down further. You can't really see the colors very well, and I apologize, it looks better on my screen than my room. Um, But what I've broken the sending areas down into six regions. Africa, Asia, Europe, Latin America, North America and Oceania. So now what we're doing is we're saying, okay, in the case of Austria, you have to be born outside of Austria. And in addition to that, you have to start your life in, let's say, Africa. Or in Oceania. And so what we're getting here is another picture of these expected times of residence. But this slide is confusing both the exchanges that are embedded, and the dynamics of the process. One way you can see that is if you take a look at the example for Portugal here. The time series all look very similar, right? They follow the same general trajectory. And this is actually both the strength and weakness of the paper. It's a weakness in the sense that the model I'm showing you is a first-order Markov model. And so this is due to the Markovian assumption, and I can talk about that a little bit later. The positive part of this, though, is that we can exploit that weakness of the model to talk about the dynamics. If the system operated in this way, the dynamics of the uh, uh, the model are such that we would see a pattern for Portugal that looks like this, largely regardless of where you started. So if we want to get a picture of the unique relationship between each of these six regions and each new 15 country, we need to take each of these time series displayed here and subtract out the graph from the previous slide. And when we do that, we can get a much more nuanced picture of what are the exchanges between sending and receiving areas really like. Okay. This is sort of the net of dynamics picture You don't see the same sort of parallel lines we saw before And I want to call your attention to the y axis Which ranges from negative 8 to positive 8 So if we had a score of 0 all the way across We would say that the migration between any given sending region And any particular e 15 country Was no different than what we would expect On the basis of the dynamics of the system alone For any lines traversing above the zero point, we would say that the migration is greater than what we expect on the basis of the dynamics of the system alone, right? So we're getting a measure that talks about these exchanges relative to what the dynamics of the system would dictate already. Clearly those dynamics are limited in terms of the model construction and so on, but it's a way to start disentangling these. So to summarize just real briefly, what we've done is we've taken exchanges and dynamics and combined them into a single model. And what I'm doing now is trying to pull them apart. What we do in the paper is then we start disaggregating not just by the six regions, sending regions, but also by world subregions. So maybe we care not just about Africa in general, we care about Northern Africa relative to Western okay? I don't have time to show you that here, but to show you the flexibility of this approach and this model, uh, you'll have to take my word here that you can actually disaggregate all the way down to country to country images. So here we see the expected time of residents for migrants from Turkey living in each 15 country over the course of their lives. Same general sorts of trends, you see a little bit of discrepancy between the first slide that I showed you, and a lot of the patterns that you would expect to see, maybe large influxes in places like Germany and the Netherlands, are tempered here, right? Because we're talking not only about the intensity of migration, but about the importance of that age pattern of migration. When we take the next step and we difference out what the dynamics of the system would dictate, we get a very interesting picture. Right? Not probably very intuitive. But the idea here is that each of the time trajectories here stay well below that line of zero. Which means that migration from Turkey to each EU-50 country is less than what we would expect on the basis of the dynamics of the system alone. Okay. So we don't have this absolute measure of migration. We have a relative measure of migration that separates the dynamics from the of specific exchanges. In other words, we get a sense of what we should expect and what, whether we see that. Okay. So to conclude, uh, in this project, what we're trying to do is to provide an empirical parallel to some of the theoretical insights being generated by by the Themis Project. And we're incorporating, synthesizing, and distinguishing exchanges and dynamics. We're doing so with a measure that is relative to, we're talking about exchanges relative to, what the dynamics would dictate. So we're able to empirically distinguish those two pieces. One of the things I haven't discussed in detail for the sake of time, but I'll mention just briefly here, is that I think that we've also taken a step toward resolving three particularly vexing issues in migration system's literature. In the first place, as I alluded to at the beginning, migration systems are not the same as a summary of flows. So what I've also done is we've said, what about dynamics? Is a migration system the equivalent to a summary of flows and dynamics, bringing them together? And it raises important questions, I think, for this conference in terms of how can we affirm a certain definition of migration systems instead of using these sorts of what's left over things in the negative way. The second thing has to do with the boundaries of migration systems. So in a discussion, in interpersonal in discussions and also in the book chapter, Hania once remark that a global, all-encompassing migration system doesn't really get us very far. It's not very helpful. And my response to that is I completely disagree. And here's why. Let's imagine that we're studying migration from Poland to Norway and Sweden. If we're just focusing on that thing, right, we're sort of a priori assuming that there is a migration system that exists. We dance around the issue and we find particular data that support our hypothesis and we say, voila, we have that evidence of some sort of system. However, what about the fact that somebody from Poland, maybe a rural area, who's living in an impoverished household, migrates to Germany, makes some money over a period of years, moves to Brussels or so the UK, and towards the end of their working years, then they move to Norway and Sweden. How do we get at those indirect transitions, right? These sort of stopover points. Countries like Germany and, and, and Belgium are not only the, same, the, the important stopover points. We can think of countries like Slovenia or Italy or Mexico, increasingly. Okay. So starting with a global migration system and then sort of whittling it down, as I showed you, I actually think is a useful starting point. Especially when we consider the fact that migration is increasingly a global phenomenon, as Stephen Castle said. And then well. um, the final thing is, uh, I think that we've started and I don't think the work is done in sort of developing a trackable trackable empirical metric. If we're gonna talk about this distinction between these changes and dynamics, we have to have a metric to get us there. Uh, Finally, the next steps in this project, um, we do have enough of a time series to develop cohort versus period estimates of those conditional expectations, so we'll be working on that. We don't, at this point, have data on actual age schedules of migration for each country, but we do have um, model migration schedules that we're working on adapting based on certain assumptions. So that will go in. We are running into issues in terms of computational power with um, bringing in uncertainty to these estimates, but we're trying. And then the final thing that we're working on is cross-classification. So my colleagues' estimates are based entirely on country-to-country migration flows, previous and next. You can imagine a similar matrix based on country of birth or citizenship or some combination of these two or three. We've worked so far with the first two. Um, however, the estimates when they're cross-classified are fairly volatile, so I'm not trusting them yet, I and mean, that's why we're just focusing on country to country and previous next country residents. So with that, uh, thank you for your time, and I would, in addition to here, I would love to hear your comments over email. So thank you.